Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. Calvary Live is the show where you can call in every weekday, and we have pastors standing by uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time and whatever time it is in your time zone to uh, take your calls, to pray for your prayer requests. And we have an ever-growing family of listening stations. And uh, this is the first week that we've had. Last Friday was our first day, but this week has been the first week where we have been broadcasting live on Grace FM here along the Front Range of the Rockies in Colorado and into southern Wyoming, as well as on the Radio by Grace Network, which has stations all over the United States. And so we're so glad to be having this family, listening family grow. What that means for you, you know, as we add more stations and people listening in different parts of the country and of course over the internet, also parts of the world, is that when you call in with your prayer requests, there's a whole bunch of people spread out all over, again, the North America and the world who are listening in. They're praying for your prayer requests. There are probably a lot of people listening in. Maybe they're shy to call in, but as you call in with your question about the Bible, maybe you're serving somebody else by getting that question answered, not only not only for yourself, but for their sake as well. So we would love to have you call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something you've been wondering about, um, always curious about, etc. Maybe there's something you're, you're curious, how does the Bible speak to something going on in culture or society today? Maybe there's something going on in your personal life, and you're curious what God's Word has to say about that. We'd love to answer those questions for you. And if you have a prayer request, uh, definitely give us a call. We'll pray for it on the air with everybody listening. So welcome to all of you who are listening today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. And an interesting thing about that text line, I encourage you save that number in your phone because here's what it's good for. Not only can you text in your questions and prayer requests during the show, but also that number is live 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you to write in, text in your prayer requests. So let's say there's something going on in your life. It's not during a show. Um, maybe it's not even for the show. And you just say, hey, I need prayer for this. I'm not sure who to reach out to because maybe it's the middle of the night. Who knows? And you can just text into that prayer line, and there's a team of people who go through there, and they pray for those prayer requests. So very cool. Really, really encourage you to take advantage of that. Again, that number is 720-336-0897. We'll be repeating that number throughout the show. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. And we have pastors standing by for this hour every weekday to field those calls and to pray for you and talk with you. Hey, I want to welcome many of our stations. You know, as I mentioned, we have a growing number of stations who are listening here on Calvary Live. Um, 
Grace FM, you're hearing this. And so our stations are going over the air from about Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Colorado Springs, maybe even a little bit south of that here along the front range of the Rockies. So welcome to those of you listening here in Colorado and the Rocky Mountain region. We also want to welcome those who are listening on Radio by Grace, again, with stations all over the United States, even in the Western states, but primarily in the Southern states. Um, so welcome to all of you. You're now listening to the show live. And we have a few other stations. Um, we've had Hope FM has been a partner with us for a very long time. Uh, Hope FM on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as Truth FM in Tennessee, and recently joined Higher Rock Radio in the great state of Idaho. So welcome to all of you who are listening in. Just a heads up that those listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. Uh, as well as those listening on Higher Rock in Idaho. Um, but we still want you to call in. You know, no matter what your question is, calling in, maybe it relates to last week's show, we'll still answer it on the show. And then you'll be able to maybe tell some friends and family, hey, tune in at such and such a time, one week from the time you called in, and you'll know that it'll be live. And I think that's also a cool way to introduce friends and family to this station whatever that local station is for you on which you listen to this. Maybe they won't only listen to this program. Maybe they'll start listening to the other Bible teachers, et cetera, on that program. And it'll be a great way that God will use that in their life. You, we, we know that as God's word goes forward, it goes forth. It never returns void. It accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it out. That's his promise to us. And we can be confident in that. And that's our goal here um, with this show is, Let's get the word out over the airwaves so people can hear it. Their lives can be changed. So again, welcome to all of you who are listening in. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this great city. And I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. I love doing it. Just a, a few words about our church. If you're interested in finding out more information about us, if you're interested in joining us on Sunday, we have three Sunday morning services, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. If you were within driving distance of us here in Longmont, we're conveniently located between I-25 and downtown Longmont on Highway 119. So we're right on the highway here on, on this highway that runs between I-25 through Longmont and down into Boulder. So if you're in any of the surrounding communities here, or even just within driving distance, we'd love to have you. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, and our website is whitefieldschurch.com. So if you go to our website, you can get directions, find out where we're located and our service times and all that. You can uh, find out right currently we're in a series for the season of Advent, which is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. We're in a series in which we're preparing our hearts to celebrate the first Advent of Jesus while remembering that Advent also points us to the second Advent, which is the promise of Jesus that he will return. Um, I'm also, you can also hear our teachings every weekday here on Grace FM for our listeners on Grace FM. You can hear me every weekday at 9.30 a.m., 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, as well as Sundays at 1 p.m. And again, check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. If you're a podcast listener, I have a podcast that you can check out called Theology for the People. So Theology for the People, just uh, put that in your search engine. It'll come right up. And uh, I'd love to connect with you in all those ways. Well, with no further ado, let's go to our first caller, Anessa in 
uh, Lauderdale Lakes, Florida. Hi, Anessa. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. What can we do for you? Um, my question is, I was always confused about what happens to a person once they pass away. Do they immediately go to heaven or hell or wherever they're going to go? Or is there like some type of resting place? I've heard so many different views. Yeah, that's a great question. I wrote an article on that, and um, it's called, Did People Go to Heaven? before Jesus' death and resurrection, but it also answers the question about what happens to somebody when they die now. And so to give you a short answer, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 makes it very clear that to be apart from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now that applies to believers, of course. And so what that means is that you will go, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are redeemed, then to be uh, separated from the body, if you die today, you will be taken directly to the presence of God, uh, also known as paradise. There's other verses that would tell you that too. So like, for example, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says that he is hard-pressed between two desires. On the one hand, he desires to go and be with the Lord. And on the other hand, he desires to stay here and help um, and continuing God's mission here on earth. And so all that tells us is that Paul understood that if he were to die today, he wouldn't go to like a in-between place. He would go directly to the presence of the Lord. And I'll give you one more example. In Luke 23, verse 43, that's where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he speaks to the thief on the cross next to him. What does Jesus say to that man? He says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So just all that together tells us if you are a believer, if you have been redeemed by Jesus, then when you pass from this life to the next, you won't go to some intermediate place. You will end up going directly to the presence of God. But there's coming a time when, you know, we will return with Jesus as he comes to the earth. Those who die, right, they will return with Jesus to this earth. There will be a time when we will receive a new body, a resurrection body. Now, there's some debate amongst Christians as to whether you receive that resurrection body immediately when you get to heaven, or if we will only receive that resurrection body later, after Judgment Day, when there will be a new heavens and new earth. That sounds wonderful. It makes me feel so much better, and it eases my mind. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And that, that's really good news for us. You know, we, like many people listening, maybe you too, you know, we've known some people who have died over the past uh, two years of pandemic. And it's very comforting to know that those people are not just kind of in a um, suspended state, that they're actually with the Lord right now. That's absolutely wonderful. Could you just repeat Second Corinthians chapter 5? And yeah. where was it? Yeah, I'll give you a whole list. You ready? 2 Corinthians okay. 5, verse 8. Luke 23, verse 43. Philippians 1, verse 23. And I'll give you one more example I didn't tell you yet, but it's the fact that in Revelation chapter 4, the Apostle John essentially is raptured up to heaven, right? So he gets a preview. And 
Where does he go when he is taken up to heaven? He goes directly into the presence of God. And those who die as martyrs on the earth during that tribulation period, they also go up to the presence of God. So all this stuff together builds a pretty, really strong case that if you were to die as a believer, you would go directly to heaven, to the presence of God. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, and are you tuning in? Um, You're tuning in there over the air in Florida? In Lauderdale Lakes, Florida. That's um, awesome. It's 94.5. Awesome. So glad to have you tuning in. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, great. Hey, thanks for your call, and God bless you. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. That was a great question from Anessa. What happens immediately after someone dies? So we're here to answer questions like that. We're also uh, here to answer any questions. Maybe you have, you know, what does the Bible say about this thing that's going on in my life? Or what does the Bible say about what's going on outside in society? We'd love to answer those questions for you. Give us a call. We have all open lines right now. The number to call is 303 690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Okay, so we uh, have a few text messages that have come in as we wait for calls to come in on the call-in line. Let's go over to our text line and answer some questions over there. Uh, Someone named Matt texts in, and he says, I've got a prayer request for God to work out all the details and timing for me to go to a trade school. Okay, let's pray for Matt. Heavenly Father, we lift up Matt to you. Thank you, Lord, that he has this opportunity. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would work out the details and that you would let it happen in your timing for him to be able to go to this trade school. Lord, we pray that you would work out the financial details. And, and we know, Lord, that your timing is perfect, but many times it's hard for us to know, uh, is this the right time? It, should I wait? And that's why you've given us your spirit, Lord, to lead us and guide us. So I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would lead and guide Matt. You would provide for everything he needs to be able to go to this school and prepare for his future. So Lord, give him patience as he waits for you. But Lord, help him that he would wait with that patient expectation of seeking you throughout that time of waiting. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Matt. Thanks for texting in. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church, Longmont, Colorado. And we are broadcasting live on Grace FM and Radio by Grace all over the United States. And so excited to have calls and texts coming in from there. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to have you give us a call with your Bible questions and prayer requests at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Amanda in Amarillo, Texas. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. What's up? Um, So my mom asked me a question, and I wasn't quite sure how to answer it. She asked, if God is all-knowing, then why would he create um, Satan as an angel if he knew he was going to get cast down and uh, eventually deceive Adam and Eve in the garden? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And it gets to, you know, one of these these issues that's really hard for us to determine because, you know, from our 
linear standpoint, we might wonder, wouldn't it have been easier for God to just not create Satan, like create all the angels except for that one, because he's going to mess everything up. And if he hadn't, then, you know, everything would have been great. Well, I wonder, you know, if it was that Satan, you know, first of all, when Satan fell, we know that a third of the angels followed him in this rebellion. So what this tells us is that, number one, God created angels, and that, number two, he created them with some degree of agency. So whereas human beings, you know, after the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, we're born with a sinful nature, right? Our nature is broken, fallen, inclined towards sin, corrupt, etc. Um, but angels don't have that. And yet there is some degree of agency, meaning choice, that angels have. If they didn't, right, then how would a third of them have chosen to go in this rebellion? So while they're not inclined to sin in the same ways that we are, they are um, able to make decisions. Now, the reason why we don't see angels like all the time turning against God and rebelling is because they're in his presence. And I think that if we were more conscious of God's presence, we would be less inclined to sin ourselves, right? If you're beholding the glory and the beauty of the Lord, you would probably be less inclined to sin, um, you know, if you could see God's presence with you as you went throughout your day. Uh, on the other hand, though, what happened with Lucifer, which was his original name, which means light, uh, that Lucifer, he was um, tempted towards pride and hubris. And his temptation was that he wanted to dethrone God. And I think that this is actually, I mean, ultimately, don't all sins lead back to that ultimate thing of, of pride, of wanting to take God off the throne in your life and elevate yourself to that position of authority, which belongs only to God rightly. And so what we see with Satan is that he, as a higher level angel, he did um, succumb to this temptation. He led this rebellion and the other angels chose to go with him. And so we see this with Adam and Eve too. I mean, there's a point where you could also ask another question. If God knew that Adam and Eve were going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why put that in the garden? Why not just not give them the choice or the opportunity or the temptation? And so we have to understand that part of what God wants from us, right? It says in Hebrews 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so whether that is... Um, you know, for us or for the angels, we see that, that God gives us some degree of agency where we are required to exercise faith. And essentially, right, what God said to, let's say, Adam and Eve, right, since we've already talked about Satan, was, hey, guys, I, I need you to trust me on something. You know, you can eat from all the trees. You can see my character and what I've provided for you. And I'm telling you that if you eat from that tree, it will kill you. And you're going to have to trust me because you can't just go test it out. And he's telling them this in love, but also telling them this because in order for there to be true relationship, there has to be trust. There has to be faith. There has to be submission in the very most positive sense of that word. And so uh, to answer your question again briefly, um, I believe that God gave, and I, I think it's quite clear that God gave agency to angels. He didn't cause Satan to sin. And yet... Um, you know, this whole drama of everything that has taken place, the Bible tells us that in the end, God has used 
these bad things to actually increase his glory. Agency, that's interesting. I've never read that before. I'm going to have to bring that up to her. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, Thanks for calling in. Good question. No problem. Thank you for answering. You have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm here with you every Friday, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've been getting a lot of calls from our listeners on Radio by Grace with, I think we have over 70 stations that joined us live last week. Uh, before, they were, some of those stations were on delay, like some of our stations still are, but they joined us live last week. So we've been having a lot of calls from outside our local area here in Colorado, where we broadcast from. Um, that call was from Texas. We have our next call as well from Texas. But before we go to that call, let me just give you the numbers to call in and text us. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 to call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Homer in Amarillo, Texas. Hi, Homer. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. <clears throat> so my my question is, um, I, was, uh, I was speaking to your screener, but um, so uh, one is Pentecostal. So um, there's a lot of tension. My wife heavily into that. Uh, her all her family and all that. Um, so I'm aware that it um, that it's not correct. And so and I stand up and I say no. It's you know, I'm sorry, but you're wrong, and everything, not, I wouldn't say everything, but a lot of stuff that you've been taught is wrong, and, and I, 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 you know, and try to be loving about it and say, no, it's wrong. These, these things, these doctrinal things are, there's a lot of doctrinal things that are, that are basic, that need to be, that are fundamental, and that you can't, can't deviate, and there is a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of deviation, and so, um, I'm not even, you know, too concerned about the speaking in tongues thing and all that. It's more like, you know, the Trinity, the, the stars. I mean, if, if we if we can't get that right, you know, and, and I mean, her dad was a, was a pastor and all that. And, and so it, it causes tension, right? So you're, I'm just like, I won't, and I won't, I won't back off. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I don't know how else to tell you this, but, you know, that's wrong. And, and and what you have been shown is incorrect. And I'm trying to show in Scripture, um, you know, different different things. And so it, it causes tension, you know. And my, my son wants to get baptized, but he doesn't want to because he's like, so which side do I take? Do I take the Jesus-only side, like my mom says, or do I take my dad's side, you know, to get baptized? And, and you know, the way, the way Scripture says it, and that's the way Jesus says um, so, um, I don't really need any scripture references, but I'm trying to get an idea on kind of what to do or what not to say. I've already kind of put my foot in my mouth by saying, no, you're wrong, and your dad was wrong as your dad was a pastor. So, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be loving about it, but at the same time, I won't, I won't back off and, and go with uh, something that, that's incorrect, so... Yeah. So just in case any of our listeners aren't sure what oneness Pentecostalism is, 
Uh, it's also known as the Jesus-only Pentecostalism or Jesus-only movement. Um, it's basically a movement of, it's also called oneness theology, but the idea is that it's a denial of the Trinity. And so there's a movement that says, hey, you know, you can't be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. And what they believe is that uh, Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Spirit, and there is one God who reveals himself in different modes. And that is actually um, not a new doctrine. Do you realize that they, that's actually called modalism? That's an ancient heresy which existed in the early church. And it was part of the reason why the church had councils like the councils of Nicaea, Chalcedon, etc., which would they would look at the Bible, right? Hundreds of Bible scholars from that time looked at the Bible and said, what does the Bible teach? And they came to the consensus that the Bible teaches that there's one God who eternally exists in three co-equal but unique persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, uh, the Spirit is not the Father, but they are all God, right? So the Son is God, the Father is God, Spirit is God. And now that's hard for us to understand because there's nothing we can like compare it to to say, oh, it's just like this, because there's nothing that it's just like. But yet it is what the Bible teaches. Um, and so here's one thing that I might bring up with them. I mean, first of all, I would bring up some really important verses in the Bible, and I can give you what some of those verses are, but I, you said you weren't super interested in verses. Uh, one of them was really key in the historical development of this doctrine, by the way, was Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus himself instructs them to baptize in the name of the Father and the Spirit, uh, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, furthermore, at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Father speaking, Jesus in the water being baptized, and the Spirit descending as a dove. So we see all three persons present at the same time doing different things. And uh, so we see that they are unique, right? They're not the same, um, and yet they are God. So, yeah, I, I think that this is important. And here's one thing I, I always want to point out to people who get into some of these doctrines, like that modalism, like this was already sorted out. We, we sorted this out in the, in like as early as the second century, right? Meaning the 100s AD. Like we haven't had to worry about this because... You know, it's kind of like one of those things where we checked that one off the list. Like we, we thought about that, looked at the Bible, everybody agreed, no, 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 that's not what the Bible teaches. And we moved on and everybody who still held on to that view, we would use the word, I mean, we would use the word heresy for it because, you know, when we think about what's primary and what's secondary when it comes to theology, the primary issues are who is Jesus, who is God, and how are you saved? And this one gets to the question of who is Jesus, how, who is God, and how, how are you saved? I would really encourage your son to get baptized in a church that is not a Trinity-denying church, because I think they get the doctrine of God completely wrong. Right. No, he, he is, um, we're, we go to a, to a Trinity church, I mean, to a, you know, a, a Trinity-based, you know, the, the theology is correct, the doctrine is correct, um, but it's just, Sometimes I feel like, well, I don't want to get baptized because I don't want to take sides. I don't want to go with my mom's side, my mom's way of thinking. But at the same time, I, you know, I think he kind of knows that that kind of the way the things that I tell him and I show him and stuff, he understands mm -hmm. uh, that that's 
more correct, but at the same time, he's kind of reluctant to do it because, you know, I don't want to take sides and I don't want to make somebody mad. Well, you know, here's the deal. I would encourage you, if your son is looking for your help, I'd give him your help. I'm going to have to go here. We're coming up on our, our break, but here's what I would recommend you to do. Get a systematic theology. I'm going to recommend you get Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, the book, and just go through the chapter on Jesus or on the Trinity with your son and look up all the Bible verse references and say, what do you, what do you think? What is the Bible saying here? It'll list them all out for you and tell you how that doctrine was developed, why Christians came to the consensus that this is what the Bible teaches. I have to go because we come up to our mid-show break. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, questions about theology, your questions about God or Jesus. Um, And we are here to standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to answer those questions and to pray for your prayer requests. And so the number to call, we've got one open line, but we'd love to fill that one up as well. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0800. Nine, seven. All of our callers today have been from our new stations that joined us live last week from the Radio by Grace Network, mostly uh, from in the southern states, from like Texas over to Florida. But they have stations actually in other places as well. And we're also joined by station in Idaho, uh, Higher Rock Radio. So glad to have you with us. But I am wondering, hey, where are my where are my Colorado listeners? You guys got to represent, okay? You guys are the OG Calvary Live listeners. You got to call in and uh, and represent for the 303 and the 720, all right? All right, let's go to our next caller, uh, Miss Lewis in Augusta, Georgia. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in now. I'm just like, mm, got a terrible thing going you know, I believe in God and Jesus and everything, but something really happened bad. My godson was killed. He was 26 years old here in Augusta Mall. Mm. He was shot four times, and ooh, I think he lived like two hours or something. And after that, I'm like, he died. He lost a lot of blood. I'm like, okay, what about his spirit? That's what I'm I'm, I'm wondering about. What you, what you think? Where where could he be? You saying is he in paradise or something? Can you help me with that? Yeah, so we had a caller earlier asking about that, like if somebody dies who has put their faith in Jesus, you know, where does that person's soul go? And the answer is this, that if that person had faith in Jesus, their soul goes immediately to the presence of God. So it's not in like suspended in an in-between place. It goes immediately to be with God. And we gave some verses for that earlier. Um you know, we don't have such a promise for those who died apart from faith in Jesus. And so it's really hard for me to tell you, you know, with all certainty where your 
God's son's soul went, because I don't know what his relationship was with Jesus. I certainly hope with all of my heart that he, he, he believed. And I hope right. that in those two hours, you know, that, that in a way, isn't that God's grace and mercy? Because I, I can't imagine anybody, you know, right. ha- knowing that they were injured, that they were possibly going to die and not right. using that moment to get right with God. And I think that so many people yeah. who do that, um, and I don't think it's wise to wait until the end to make uh, that decision uh-huh. to follow Jesus, but I think it is often the grace of God that he gives that opportunity. Right. Thank you. That's what I'm thinking. Thank you so much, Pastor Howard. Let me Thank read this to you. I'm actually, I'm doing a funeral tomorrow, and this is what I'm going to be sharing with the family there. You know, I would say this, what would Jesus say if he was here right now with you? Um, and we look at what Jesus said to a grieving family in John chapter 11, when they had lost a loved one. Jesus went, and first of all, it says that he wept with the family as they wept. And I would want to tell somebody this, that God weeps with you in your sorrow. He He's sorry. It says in, in Genesis chapter 6 that God looked and saw the evil and the darkness in the world, and it grieved him to his heart. And so God grieves with you in your grief. But here's the thing that Jesus would say. It's found in John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, this woman who'd lost her brother, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? Okay, that's what I was telling his mom. I say, his, I, this is what I tell her, and this is what I say. His, he took his body, but it didn't take his spirit. But that's absolutely true. No matter who you are, right? Your spirit, you know, the end of this life is not the end of you. Your spirit will live forever, and the question is where? Yep, I'm so good. I'm thankful for that. Yes, thank you. That's what I tell our time. I say, his body's gone, but his spirit's not. Right? Mm, mm. Hey, well, Miss Lewis, thanks for, so much for calling in. Uh, glad yep. to hear from you. And we're praying for you and your family that God would Thank continue you, to comfort you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. With the end of that call, we have one open line, so give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Sam in South Florida. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? God bless. I'm doing great. Good. Uh, my question is, uh, is Christmas a pagan holiday? A I mean, great... I've been doing some researches. Uh, we, uh, we, haven't, we didn't celebrate it last year because uh, we first found out that it's a pagan holiday. And, uh, you know, it's... No, still, you know, the kids are uh, like, uh, how come everybody else gets presents? Mm-hmm. So uh, is it a pagan holiday? Should we uh, celebrate it? Uh, a pagan God's birthday, but call it our living God, mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, so uh, the answer is that no, Christmas is not a pagan holiday. And a lot of the stuff out there that says it is, is really trumped up. It's misleading. And it's um, it's kind of like, 
distracting noise in a, in one sense. Here's the thing though. There's nothing wrong with not celebrating it, right? There's no like rule that you have to celebrate Christmas. If you want to opt out of Christmas, you can, that's fine. But is Christmas pagan in origin? The answer is very much no. Now, um, I'll give you two resources to look at um, to ex help you understand this, okay? So first of all, I'll give you the origin of Christmas, and I'll tell you why some people correlate it with a pagan holiday, uh, or can conflate it with a pagan holiday, right? They confuse it with a pagan holiday. Um, the other thing I'll give you is it sounds like what you're referring to is that there's this claim that the Egyptian god Horus was born on December 25th um, and that he, you know, basically Christianity copied that. Well, first of all, Christianity did not copy that. Um, but I will give you a resource where I actually went through this and did something for my church on this topic. But you can also find other resources um, kind of showing that this is not true. And it this topic is called the Christ myth. So the Christ myth. And it is this idea that Christianity basically like took a little bit from this pagan ancient religion, took a little bit from that pagan ancient religion and incorporated them. And so a lot of things that we think of as being Christian aren't actually Christian at all. They're like pagan stuff that kind of weaseled its way into Christianity. Um, so let me start with the first one. What is the origin of Christmas? So it's commonly believed by many people that Christians essentially took over a Roman pagan festival called Saturnalia and used it to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But that uh, is not actually true. Now, here's the reason why Saturnalia falls on December 25th, why Christmas falls on September 25th, why the uh, Egyptians would have celebrated the birth of Horus, one of their gods, on, uh, on December 25th. And the reason is simply because that's the shortest day of the year, right? That is roughly, you know, our calendars have changed. We're no longer uh, always following exactly the shortest day of the year on that date, but it's, it's within a day or two of the shortest day of the year. After that, things start to get brighter. And so you can imagine for people who worship nature or nature-based religions, we call animism, of course they would make that a special holiday, but that doesn't mean that Christians were, you know, basically co-opting pagan festivals and saying, well, that's when Jesus was born. First of all, we know for sure Jesus was not born in late December. Jesus was probably born somewhere else. In fact, early Christian sources, and this is where studying Christian history is really helpful. What you find out is that Early Christians actually believed that Jesus' birthday was somewhere in uh, April or May. Others believed it was in late March. So many people believed it was in the spring. Here's the other thing. Early Christians did not celebrate birthdays in the same way we do, just because ancient cultures didn't celebrate birthdays, like it wasn't a thing. Um, in fact, one, we only see one example of a birthday being celebrated in the Bible, and that's Herod. Uh, celebrating his birthday when he kills John the Baptist on his birthday. So that's not exactly positive. In fact, some people believe that it was uh, celebrating birthdays was itself a pagan thing and shouldn't be done. Early Christians, many of them thought that. So things changed in the early 300s, and this changed because they began to celebrate Epiphany. 
Now, Epiphany is a holiday. I believe it's on January 7th, that's some, uh, January 8th. It's one of those two. And Epiphany is the celebration of when the Magi came to see Jesus after his birth. Now, this is why in the Eastern Orthodox countries like Russia, Ukraine, Romania, etc., they actually celebrate Christmas on Epiphany. And the reason they give gifts is in remembrance of Epiphany, how the Magi, the wise men, gave gifts to Jesus. Now, the Western Latin-speaking church, they, they looked over at the Eastern church, right, the Greek and um, Orthodox part of the church, and they said, hey, we want to have a uh, celebration like Epiphany. And they said, oh, but if we just do some math, surely Jesus had to have been born before the Magi arrived. So they said, oh, we'll do it like a week or two before Epiphany, January 7th. And they said, oh, okay, well, oh, you know what? We should do it on the 25th of December, and here's why. Because that's the shortest day of the year, and there's a lot of significance and symbolism in that, that Jesus, the light of the world, comes into the darkness, and after he comes, the world gets brighter and brighter and brighter until, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 19, until the new day will dawn upon us. And so they said, oh, there's some significance there since we don't know when Jesus was born and we know it was before Epiphany, right? Because you have to be born in order to receive gifts. We'll celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th. That's literally how it came about. And it was not a pagan thing at all. Now, the resource I want to tell you about the Horus and the Christ myth thing is a uh, sermon I preached at my church. And so if you go to my church's website, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com, and you're going to click on sermons and in there you'll see a series you'll see a bunch of sermon series well, we had a series called the trouble is and then we looked at you know the trouble with christianity according to some people is this or that common questions that people have and we have one there called the trouble is the christ myth so it's trouble is part 4 the christ myth and in that sermon i go through each of the claims of the christ myth including the big thing about horus and show how um, that's actually not correct. So, so basically, you're saying that it came from the Catholic Church. Well, let's so remember. Some, well, let's remember what what is the Catholic Church at the time when this came about? There was no Catholic Church per se. There was one. There was the Christian Church, and the Christian Church was divided by language into the Greek speaking Church, which was in the Eastern Roman Empire, and the Latin-speaking church, which was in the Western Roman Empire and North Africa. So the Catholic church as an entity didn't really come about until, I would say the earliest that we can count the Catholic church as we now think of it would be Gregory the Great, which is in the 500s AD. So this precedes that. But if you really want to talk about when did the Catholic church come about as a, as a, like a, as an organization, you would have to date that from the Great Schism which happened in the 1000s. So, uh, you know, that would be like saying that the early church fathers were Roman Catholic. Well, no, they were Christians. There was only one church, right? The, you know, we, when we talk about the difference between, let's say, uh, Christians and Catholics or Protestant Christians and Catholics, that itself only goes back to the year 1500, right. or, you know, one, 1517 when Martin Luther... Um, Martin Luther. 
began the Reformation. So I wouldn't write this off as a Catholic thing. You know, sometimes I hear people say like Advent, isn't that a Catholic thing? Okay, um, yeah, but it precedes the Catholic Church as an organization. And so I don't think that that's a good way to dismiss things. So, so. Uh, like, how was it uh, with the, not Nero, the, in, in three something, when Constantine? they put on their shields, what was that guy's name? I forget his name. Constantine. Constantine. Now, didn't mm -hmm. he bring that into the church, and uh, from there came the Catholic Church? No, Constantine, what Constantine did is in 1314, Constantine issued something called the Edict of Toleration. So you have to understand that from the time of the birth of the church, which happened on Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, up until the year 314 AD, Christianity was, was called what is known in the Latin world as religia illicitas, which means, you can translate it very easily, an illicit religion. In other words, uh, an illegal religion. So at the same time, Christianity was still spreading, but Christianity was not an officially registered, legal, organized, accepted religion, which is the reason why the early churches didn't have buildings because you can't purchase a building if your organization doesn't exist on paper. This is why the oldest church buildings in the world, by the way, are in India and Syria, which were outside the bounds of the Roman Empire. So over there, Christianity actually was legal and recognized. But what happened is that Constantine came. Now, there's a lot of questions. Was Constantine actually a Christian? We don't know. We know that his mother was a Christian, and Constantine supposedly converted to Christianity while he was on this battlefield at this place called the Milvian Bridge. There was essentially a civil war going on over who would be the next Roman emperor. And he felt that God gave him a sign, said, in this sign, conquer. He gave him the sign of a cross in the sky that he says that he saw. He went and won the battle. And then, having become the emperor of the Roman Empire, he signed the Edict of Toleration, also called the Edict of Milan in 314, which made Christianity legal. So from that point on, Christians could build buildings. They didn't have to be underground, etc. Now, many people have this weird impression about Constantine, that Constantine, number one, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. He did not do that. Um, that was done in 380 AD, 380, by a guy named Theodosius I. So what Constantine did is that he, as a Christian, he kind of looked around at Christianity and he said, hey, why is it that these guys down in Alexandria don't actually believe that Jesus is God, where everybody else does? You guys need to get together. And also some people over in this part of the empire have extra books in their Bibles that you guys don't have. You guys got to figure this out. And so he gave them a place to meet and called together all the bishops from all over the world to a council called Nicaea. That was in 325 AD. But you got to understand that he wasn't actually involved in this beyond kind of getting everybody together. Um, so there's a lot of kind of misinformation out there and assumptions about Constantine. I actually uh, did a podcast on this. If you're interested, I think you would probably enjoy it. It's called uh, Constantine, Nicaea, and Conspiracy Theories. And it's on my podcast called Theology for the People. If you just, you know, look up Theology for the People podcast and you scroll up until you find this one about the origin of the New Testament and 
Constantine, uh, Nicaea, and conspiracy theories. I explained a lot of that in more detail there. Okay. Well, I'll take a look at that one. But uh, just uh, what, we, what me and my wife was looking at, and we, we haven't seen it say in the Bible that God wanted us to celebrate his birthday. Yeah, we know and that he God doesn't. Wanted, uh, you know, the Jewish people from the beginning to do the celebrations and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and then in a few scriptures, it says that it's detestable to him. He don't even want that anymore. Yeah, but, well, you know, you're absolutely right. Ancient people didn't celebrate it. The Jews didn't celebrate birthdays. Early Christians didn't celebrate it. Um, but does that mean it's wrong to celebrate it? Well, what we're celebrating is the fact that God took on human flesh in order to save us, which is definitely biblical. And so if that's what we're celebrating, then I think that we're okay. But I'll tell you this. Here's a good example. Look at John chapter 7. And here's why. In John chapter 7, Jesus goes to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of Hanukkah. Now, the festival of Hanukkah is not in the Bible. And yet, Jesus went there. It was a cultural celebration. And Jesus went there, and he connected with people during this cultural celebration and, you know, declares that he is the light of the world, which is, you know, Hanukkah, the festival of lights. So I think there's a biblical case to be made for it. But again, like I said earlier, if you don't want to celebrate it, more power to you. No one's telling you you have to. Thank you. God bless you. Well, God bless thanks you. Thanks for your answer. And uh, we're still looking into it. And uh, thanks for your, uh, for your answers. You bet. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Christina in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Christina. Thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Christina, I actually can hear her there. So I thought that she dropped, but I think that she just put her phone down. Christina, there you are. Okay, so I see your question, Christina. Uh, you were curious about what the Bible says about about suicide? Yes. Okay. Um, so here's uh, what I'll tell you. Suicide is a sin. To take a life is not the right of any human being, um, you know, apart from God's it's God's right to take to give life and to take life. So it's certainly a sin. It would be murder. Um, and yet the Bible tells us that the only unforgivable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit to reject the leading, guiding, drawing of the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And so I think that there can be moments um, in which somebody caught in a, a very difficult moment can make a very regrettable choice. And I would not encourage anyone ever to um, commit suicide or that it would, I would never want to give anybody the impression that it's okay. Right. Right. Um, And yet to the family members of those who have had loved ones, maybe even Christian loved ones who struggled maybe with mental illness, maybe depression, who have succumbed to suicidal ideations or temptations, I would want to encourage them that um, the Bible does not say that those people are going to hell just because of that sin. Yeah, that's where my confusion was because um, a friend of mine, she was studying this, and she says that it was something where somebody was, you know, in a lot of pain and pain that God probably used to give that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a Bible verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that uh, some parts of the church have sometimes said 
says that if somebody destroys the temple of God, that God will destroy them. And they've taken that to mean that if you commit suicide, that God will destroy your soul in hell. That's certainly not what that passage is talking about in context. Um, and yeah, I, again, like I would just, uh, oftentimes when people ask me this question, my immediate response will be to ask them, why are you asking me this? Because I'm guessing that there's a story behind it. And I would want to talk more about the story than about just a simple yes or no. Um, so uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to share the number for the suicide lifeline, suicide prevention lifeline, just because I want anyone out there uh, who's listening, maybe you're, maybe you're struggling right now, maybe you're feeling like your life doesn't have value or that everybody would be happier if you were gone. I just want to tell you that that message is not from God. That's from the enemy of your soul, Satan. And I want to encourage you not to give in to it. And instead, if you need someone to talk to, you can call anonymously to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline in both English and Spanish. So 1-800-273-8255. So 1-800-273-8255. Thanks, Christina, and thank you for holding. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've got time for one more call. Let's go to Wesley in Pennsylvania. Hi, Wesley. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. Yes. Yeah, so my question was, um, me and my wife were discussing, and we've had friends, or we know someone who's either died while they're drunk or have overdosed, but we know, I, well, we both know that they were saved at some point. We believe they were but we obviously all sin. Now, do they still have an opportunity to go to heaven because of that or because they didn't forgive? They didn't forgive. Yeah, right. I get you. Yeah, so, uh, Wesley, the answer to your question is this. The good news of our salvation is that we're not saved by our actions. We're not saved by what we do or don't do. And that includes, um, you know, like, Here's the good news about what Jesus did. You remember, he died once for all sins. That means that he died even for sins that are going to be committed tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He already died for them in the past. And his death is effective. His blood is effective over all sins, past, present, and future. And so what that means is that you, uh, let's say, you know, you, you tell yourself, okay, I need to repent of every sin I committed in order to be saved. And let's say you do that every night before you go to bed. But what if you committed a sin that you don't even remember or you don't even recognize was a sin and you forget to pray for that sin and repent of it? Um, will God still forgive you? I, I believe the answer is yes. I believe that you're forgiven in Christ. Now, let's say a person is caught in an addiction you know, in many cases, uh, addiction isn't isn't necessarily the same as open rebellion. There are a lot of people who are caught in the throes of addiction, and yet they hate the fact that they're addicted. They don't want to be. And so that's a matter of the heart. And again, I can't and you can't speak to the status of somebody's heart before God. We can only hope. But I'll just tell you this. Is it possible for somebody who was caught in an addiction to substances to still have had genuine faith in Jesus as their Savior and to have a repentant heart even in the midst of an ongoing addiction? I think the answer is yes. Um, 
and yet you know with every individual heart we can only we can only encourage them towards what the bible says but we can't ever know these things 100 percent for sure okay and uh with suicide how does that exactly work if they kind of were in the right mind at that moment does that fall into the same category or well you know the First John tells us that Jesus forgives us not only of our sins that we did in ignorance, but he also forgives us of transgressions. You know, a transgression is different than just like a sin, right? We have a sinful nature. We are sinful, but a transgression is what we would call like a bold-faced sin. Like, I know this is sin, and I'm going to do it anyway. And so somebody who knows that they're sinning by taking their own life or they're sinning by doing something else that leads to their death, can they still be forgiven? Well, I think the answer is that if their faith was truly in Jesus, and again, that's something that's beyond my pay grade to determine if any given person's faith and trust is truly in Jesus. But the good news is that uh, that Jesus is able to save me. His His grace is is bigger than my sin because His grace has defeated sin, death, and the devil forever. So, is it possible to to be in your right mind, know that what you're doing is wrong, die without having said that you repent of that sin to God and still go to heaven. Again, I would say I do think it's possible because, you know, what happens in, in, a, in a moment of weakness is not bigger than, you know, being truly, you know, giving your heart, giving, putting your faith in Jesus at one time uh, prior to that. Now, I don't want to mislead anybody and say, okay, you've you know, punched your ticket and now you're good. You can do whatever you want. That's not the case either. But we're talking about moments of weakness. Hey, thanks for your question. We've come to the end of our show. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady from Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us this weekend for worship as we get ready for Christmas. God bless you. I'll be with you as we end soon. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.